And that was the aria Sapre Perte Il Mio Cor, better known in its French version as Mon Coeur Sevre à Te Voix from St. Sansa's Samson and Delilah, as sung there by mezzo-soprano Fiorenza Cosotto. A very warm welcome from me, Adrian Fuchs, your host for tonight's edition of Great Interpreters here on Fine Music Radio. I am very pleased to present to you tonight a program on the Italian dramatic mezzo-soprano Fiorenza Cosotto, who, like her predecessors Ebi Stignani, Fedora Barbieri and Giulietta Simunato before her, was considered one of the prime exponents of the heavy Italian mezzo-rolls of the middle 19th century. Cosotto's tremendous instrument, one of the most powerful dramatic mezzo-soprano voices of the 20th century, was highly regarded for its impressive range, flexibility, and for the consistency with which she managed to move through its different registers, from a blazing chest voice to an easy and nimble high register. According to Enzo Bordello, Cosotto's voice was ringing, rock-solid, and massive. My eardrums vibrated for hours after one of her performances, he noted. I look forward to sharing with you over the course of the next two hours recorded highlights from Cusotto's career, both studio and live. We'll also listen to extracts from an interview with Cusotto conducted by James McAndrew for CBS's Camera 3, this being one of the very few recorded interviews with Cusotto in English. Should you wish to listen to tonight's program again or download it for future listening, you can do so from my website on and off the record www.onandofftherecord.com I'd also love to hear your feedback on tonight's broadcast. To send me your comments or questions, you can contact me at adrian at onandofftherecord.com Let's get started with tonight's program. Next up, a remarkable recording of Cosotto singing the aria Condotta Elera in Cepi from Verdi's Il Trovatore. Riccardo Muti is on the podium in this 1977 recording.
Cosotto was born on April 22, 1935, in Crescentino, Italy, and attended the Turin Academy of Music where she graduated top of her class. Not long after having completed her studies, she made her operatic debut in 1957 at La Scala as Sister Matilda in the world premiere of Poulenc's Dialogue of the Carmelites. The next few seasons brought a succession of smaller roles, Suzuki in Madama Butterfly, Fenena in Nabucco, and Hensel in Hensel and Gretel, amongst others. 
Cosotto was doing small roles at the time, recalled Renata Scotto, but everybody loved her voice. I met her for the first time when I made my debut in La Sonnambula. When I first heard her as Teresa, I could not believe where this voice came from. She had this melting, big sound. Miss Cosetto, at what age did you realize you wanted to be an opera singer? Uh, at school, I always sang uh, soloist part. Uh, so my teacher uh, suggested I enter is a just a maestro? Right, perfect. Uh, the Turin Conservatory of Music, where I t- took my my diploma. But, uh, um, scusi, uh, che touch aveva? How old you were? Uh, Fifteen years. Fifteen years old? Yes. Wonderful. <laughs> Thank do, you. do young people in Italy still love opera, as we have Oh, yes, been? yes. Italian people, young people, um, are still very fond of opera. Cosotto's career gradually started to gain momentum, with impressive debuts in Wexford in 1958 as Jane Seymour in Anna Bolena and at Covent Garden in 1959, appearing alongside Maria Callas in Cherubini's Medea. A major breakthrough occurred on January 5, 1962, when a revival production of La Favorita mounted for Giulietta Simeonato at La Scala, was suddenly without a star. My lucky night arrived with Favorita, recalled Cosotto. Simeonato had become ill, precisely on opening night, and La Scala declared that it had never closed for any reason, and so they called me urgently, and I arrived there a quarter of an hour before the opening. I sang without mistakes, and it was my baptism in opera at La Scala. In the review the day after... One of the most respected critics in Italy wrote, As of yesterday evening, a new star was born. And from there, noted Cosotto, I started my path in all theatres. Uh, we have been told that one of your most memorable moments in your career was when you were called to replace uh, Giulietta Simoniata at La Scala, yes, in La Favorita? Yes. Nel 61, maestro. In, in 1961, she replaced the Simonato, which is the, one of the All greatest. Momento, the last yeah. moment she had to replace, which is the, one of the greatest we had. Uh, that was uh, the most memorable moment in my career.
the aria O Mio Fernando from Donizetti's La Favorita, as performed by Fiorenza Cossotto in a 1978 recording. Richard Bonning conducted the orchestra of the Teatro Comunale, Bologna. The role of Leonora in Donizetti's La Favorita was also the vehicle for Cossotto's U.S. debut in Chicago in 1964. It proved a sensational success, and the young mezzo quickly skyrocketed to assume her place as one of the most promising Italian dramatic mezzo-sopranos of the 20th century. Uh, what would you say, I imagine this question you have heard many times, what is your favorite role in opera? Oh, I, I like all roles mezzo-soprano, uh, but I have my favorite uh, ones. Uh, Cavalleria, Favorita, uh, Azucena in Trovatore, uh, Don Carlos e uh, uh, Carmen. Uh, all the very human uh, roles. Oh, <laughs> 
The famous Habanera from Bizet's Carmen, sung in Italian by Fiorenza Cossotto in that live performance from the La Vinice Theatre recorded in 1971. Peter Mach conducted the orchestra and chorus of La Vinice. On the 6th of February 1968, Cossotto made her Metropolitan Opera debut as Amneris in Verdi's Aida and although New York opera audiences had by this time come to know Cossotto's voice from various recordings, nothing, noted Ira Siff, could have prepared New York for the size, clarity and thrust of her voice. Donald Henahan in the New York Times praised not only Cossotto's voice and skill as a singing actress, but also her intelligence and restraint, a characteristic that would be associated less and less with Cossotto as her career progressed. Here is Cassotto's riveting account of Amneris's judgment scene from Verdi's Aida. Singing alongside Cassotto is Nikolai Giaurov as Ramfis. Conductor Claudio Abado leads the orchestra and chorus of La Scala in this live performance from the 4th of October 1972.
The following season, when Cusato first essayed Eboli in Verdi's Don Carlo at the Met, the power of her voice seemed limitless, and the sheer volume and ease at both ends of the range were, according to Ira Siff, staggering, as was her no-holds-barred approach. Her middle register at the time was warmer than it sounded in recordings, noted Siff, with little metal in her tone, a feature emphasized at that time by the microphone, and a quality that would eventually pervade her live singing, though not for some time. Alan Hughes in the New York Times reported that Cosotto's Eboli was a tour de force of vocal and expressive virtuosity. Her voice, he noted, is not really beautiful, but she can color it so variously as to make you feel it must be. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 
Ebolis aria O Don Fatale from Verdi's Don Carlo, as sung by Fiorenza Cosotto in that live 1968 recording from the Vienna State Opera, with Silvio Varviso conducting the Vienna Philharmonic Orchestra. Cosotto's was not merely a huge dramatic voice, but a sumptuous, well-schooled and fluid instrument capable of great agility. As Rosina in The Barber of Seville, for example, Cosotto displayed considerable vocal dexterity and precision. In a review of her recording of the famous Una Voce Poco Fa from The Barber of Seville, a critic once called Cosotto a classical Ima Sumac, stating, I have never heard both a top B-flat and a bottom G taken with such complete ease as Cosotto does. It is as though she could go on indefinitely, up above B-flat and down below bottom G, a classical Ima Sumac. Those who love your voice, Signora, always speak of the fantastic range, the wide range for a mezzo. Have you always had that wide range, would you say? Uh, I think uh, I did, uh, but I had to work to perfect my voice. Uh, ha capito, lei c'ha un'estensione enorme. Sì. Ce l'ha sempre avuta? Io, ben, cantare con estensione ho sempre cantato, ma ho dovuto studiare per perfezionare la mia voce. She had a long, long range, a very, very large range, but she had to work very, very hard. Well, training just opens the door. I think the artist must go through the door. Exactly. Dice che la, 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 lo studio apre la, la, le porte, ma le, però l'artista deve studiare veramente. Oh, yes, yes, very, very. All time. For, per tutta la vita. As an opera singer, if you have to choose between the beautiful tone and a moment of bad acting, or an ugly tone, but to save a dramatic moment, which would you choose? An ugly tone, never. <laughs> uh, I prefer uh, to com- combine, si dice così? Perfect, perfect. A beautiful tone to dramatic effect. <laughs> but Possible. Mm. But you will sacri- lei non sacrificerebbe l'uno sì. per l'altro? Sì, cercando di fare, no, un, una brutta nota, cercando di farla meno perfetta, ma non brutta. She would try to do it less perfect, but not ugly. Never. <laughs> as, a, as a conductor maestro, you would approve of Signora's answer, would you not? Yes, music is first. But we can say in opera, in special modern opera, the, the dramatic part and the words are extremely important, cannot be neglected. We made a progress towards, and in the past, the words, the, the music was supreme, today no more. Here is Cosotto singing the well-known Una Voce Poco Fa from Rossini's Il Barbieri di Sevilla in this live 1964 recording from La Scala. <laughs> Thank you. 
1970, Cusato brought her Adalgisa to the Met, appearing opposite Joan Sutherland's Norma and impressing observers with her fluid coloratura. The role of Adalgisa was to become an integral part of Cusato's repertoire, one which she would go on to sing next to the Normas of Callas, Sutherland, Caballé, Genzer and Suliotis. I'd like to play you now the Norma Adalgisa duet O Rimembranza, as sung by Montserrat Caballé and Fiorenza Cosotto from a live 1971 recording of the opera conducted by Georges Pretre.
Because of the upper extension to her voice, Cassata tried her luck at a few soprano roles, including Lady Macbeth, though only in the recording studio. Here is Lady Macbeth's first act aria, Vieni Tafretta, from Verdi's Macbeth. Riccardo Muti conducts the new Philharmonia Orchestra in this 1976 recording.
Cusotto also essayed Santuzza in Mascagni's Cavalleria Rusticana, another role traditionally associated more with sopranos. In 1970, she sang Santuzza at the Metropolitan Opera in a new production by Franco Zeffirelli. Following the opening night performance, Raymond Erickson of the New York Times wrote, Cusotto's voice is not so sensuous as it is strong, solid, and at the top, brilliant. She combines these resources into an intense portrayal of a desperate woman trapped in excommunication by the church. One pities her less than one is moved by her stubbornness, her fear, and her final tragedy. Harriet Johnson, in The Post, echoed Erickson's praise, but added a warning. Many mezzo-sopranos try Santuzza, but only those who are vocally wiser than Cosotto survive the role over a period of time. She sang consistently loud and heavily. By overweighing her lower register, her high notes became strained. Let's listen to Cosotto performing the aria Voi lo sapete from Mascagni's Cavalleria Rusticana in a live 1964 recording from the Bolshoi Theatre in Russia.
Cossotto's performances as Santuzza in the Met's 1970 Cavalleria Rusticana brings one to the subject of Cossotto's association with Franco Zeffirelli, who made his feelings about Cossotto public after she sang Adalgisa to Maria Callas's final normas in his 1965 Paris production. After those performances, Zeffirelli, feeling that the young mezzo was insensitive to the veteran soprano's vocal frailties, swore that he would never work with Cossotto again, though of course he did. The subject of the Callas episode sparked widespread controversy and is one for which Cossotto has little patience. It's a disgrace, she mentioned in an interview to Irish Schiff. It's been 40 years and books still come out speaking ill of me. The first year, we did our rehearsals and everything went well. Callas was in good voice. There was no reason for her not to do Norma, which was her role. During the last two performances in 1965, she was not well. She had a cold which passed down into the chest. She had to sing the last performance, as there was a number of high-profile guests in the audience. But logically, she couldn't sing, because she had already sung two performances with the cold. You don't play around with Norma. In the first duet, it goes up to an A for the mezzo-soprano, and Callas must sing a high C. And the C didn't come out. But I couldn't hear this. I didn't know if she sang or did not sing the note, and I thought it better if I sing my A calmly, so people won't notice, just in case. Instead, they started to say, Look, she sings when Callas isn't singing. But Callas didn't make a sound because she was ill. The voice didn't come out. Fortunately, recordings of the final performance made by pirates in the audience have surfaced on CD, confirming Cosotto's version of the duet story. Callas omits her first exposed C, choosing a frequently used lower alternative. Cosotto hits her high note squarely and sustains it. When they reach the final cadenza, Callas manages a high B, with Cosotto a third below her on G. But ascending the scale at the end of the cadenza, Callas does not produce the C to complement Cosotto's high A, and the mezzo is left alone on the note. The audience responds very warmly, however, as they do all evening, encouraging Callas. In the subsequent duet, Miro o Norma, which Callas sings in a stunning sustained pianissimo, Cosotto seems to scale her voice down to match that of the ailing soprano. Had Cassotto earned an unblemished reputation for herself as a colleague over the years, the Norma incident would probably not have stuck. But sadly, as Iris Sif points out, this seems not to have been the case, with Cassotto's fellow singers and co-workers reluctant to comment about her as a colleague. According to Enzo Bordello, Cassotto represents a paradoxical disparity between the public and private personas of the artist. On stage, she was an immense powerhouse with a stunning voice, but in person, she was known to scream at costume ladies for not hiding her flabby arms, and she didn't stop once they burst into tears. Renata Scotto, who worked with Cosotto from 1957 to 1993, argued that Cosotto's behavior was the result of a deep insecurity that produced a streak of competitiveness and the need to be perfect. Her part was always very well sung, noted Scotto, because she had to be perfect. We grew up together artistically and she was a great perfectionist, so that the conductor could say nothing about her musically. 
She would vocalize in the theater three hours before, singing the opera probably three times before she sings on stage. There were moments that she made me really angry, but I felt it was not done to show off. Well, she was showing off, but more for her inner person, because it was her character. If she had been another person, I believe she would have enjoyed this beautiful career more. I don't think she enjoyed it, and that is terrible. The next extract that we'll be listening to is E il tuo nocchiere from Ponchielli's La Gioconda. Singing alongside Cusato is Maria Callas and Pier Miranda Ferraro. Antonino Votto conducts the orchestra of La Scala in this 1959 recording. E il tuo nocchiere alla tua t'appresta, oh, donna, resta qui.
Fiorenza Cossotto, Maria Callas, and Pier Miranda Ferraro in an extract there from a 1959 recording of Ponchielli's La Gioconda, Antonino Votto conducting the orchestra of La Scala. Difficulties aside, Cossotto enjoyed a spectacular career of considerable duration. Between the seasons of 1967-68 and 1988-89, she gave altogether 148 performances of leading roles at the Metropolitan Opera. Her 1985 Amneris in the video of Leontine Price's farewell performance of Aida was as potent as it had been at her debut, while Cossotto practically owned the part of Azucena in Il Trovatore. In a 1983 Opera News interview, Cossotto attributed the onslaught of what she considered generic singing and a seeming embarrassment on the part of young singers to cut loose emotionally to the age of television and movie acting, as well as to the obsession with a slender body dressed in a chic manner. It is a stylization that signifies nothing, she noted. In a more recent interview, she added, The artist is born, and just as he or she was born in the 1800s, the artist is born in the 2000s. It is a question of sensibility. Also, there are no longer so many teachers. At one time, we studied with the conductor for one month the phrasing, the way of speaking while singing. Now these things no longer exist. When I do master classes, she noted, I take care of, above all, that which singers no longer find, the mode of expression of the text, the color of the sound appropriate to a particular word. This is important. If I were a theater director today, I would take on one or two artists of a certain age who would teach all the young artists how one conveys a character, how a character lives on stage. Only by being near these greats can one learn. Until only a few years ago, Cossotto still maintained a modest performing and teaching schedule and in 2005 celebrated her 70th birthday with a performance as the Principessa in Suar Angelica. Here she is as the Principessa alongside Katia Ricciarelli as Sister Angelica from the well-known 1973 recording conducted by Bruno Bartoletti.
And that was the duet Il Principe Gualtiero from Puccini's Suor Angelica. Katia Ricciarelli and Fiorenza Cosotto there singing, with Bruno Bartoletti conducting the Santa Cecilia Academy Orchestra in that 1973 recording. Cosotto will be remembered in the annals of operatic history for the extraordinary power and unique timbre of her voice. Fortunately, Many of her live performances were recorded for Prosperity, and her recorded legacy encompasses a large catalogue of commercial recordings augmented by many broadcasts and pirated performances available on CD and DVD. And next up we have some Mozart, a young Fiorenza Cosotto singing Cherubino's two arias from Le Nozze di Figaro, Non so più cosa son cosa faccio, and Voi che sapete. The orchestra of La Scala is conducted by Carlo Maria Giulini in this 1961 recording.
Well, that's it from me, Adria and folks, for tonight's Great Interpreters. I look forward to joining you again next year as we celebrate and explore the wonderful artistry of more great interpreters. Till then, a reminder that you can listen online or download this broadcast, as well as some of my previous programs, from my website On and Off the Record, www.onandofftherecord.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can do so at adrian at onandofftherecord.com. Playing us out tonight is Cosotto singing Nel Giardin del Bello from Verdi's Don Carlo. The conductor is Thomas Skippers in this 1969 recording. Till next year, have a wonderful holiday season and good night. <laughs>